Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ergo. I am Daniel Kisslinger. My co-host, Damon Williams, who you're going to hear from throughout the episode, is not next to me, even though he was when we interviewed the incomparable Rach Jackson, but I'm getting ahead of myself. We're uh, going back in, giving you a little intro after a couple technical difficulties with the recording. But the episode is great. For those of you who aren't familiar with what we do, uh, we sit down with a strong young voice who's reshaping the culture of Chicago, our country and beyond, a writer, musician, thinker, performer, teacher, like we're here today with Rach. Uh, Everything is available live Thursdays at noon central on WHBK, and then as a podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and everything at ergoradio.com. We got plenty of other surprises coming up in the near future, so... You know, stay tuned, LinkedIn with us on Facebook and Twitter at Ergo Radio, but that's all the plugs we need. Let's get right into the episode. Before we get to Rach, we're going to hear from Them People, a Chicago production collective featuring Michael Anthony, Via Rosa, and The Mind. Here is Time Machine. You're listening to Ergo on WHPK 88.5 Chicago. Now I was told... That deception is perception And I know that Everything you don't see You can't feel a regret You know why 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 Guess I was too Stressing on the smaller things Guessing you wouldn't get the mess Many schools evolved So shit we just can't solve Baby Time machine Time machine Girl come Girl come Girl come It's time machine Time machine Time machine Girl come Girl come Girl come It's time machine Time machine Time machine Wait wait I was at the lounge on the ad, walked walk outside just to get a little air. Should have been sipping on the henny, had a couple shots of Remy with a car to hack, but I ain't had no fear. Drop, drop my wallet in the bar, fuck. I could walk, but I wouldn't get far Ain't tryna stumble back in I was just about to double back when she appeared from the crowd Hold something in the air like an angel from the clouds I was drunk, so I'm probably hadn't flared Promise she was draped in all white or Maybe it was red, that's besides the point She was beside then proceeded to point To a car and a lot, she put my wallet in my pocket Grabbed my hand and told me, Daddy, I'm worth it I laughed and told her she's perfect her name was for the purpose of the story You could call her Jennifer Parker That night she said a hell of a marker Had a body to aspiring artists And the devil couldn't pull us apart But next day, I was out on the first thing smoking And all I had to remember her was a note to enter my loafers And it read Time machine Time
so what's up, y'all? We gonna uh, talk over these smooth grooves and get to get to talking to Miss Rach Jackson. But that was Time Machine from them people with Michael Anthony Via Rosa in the mind. But Rachel, what's up, man? Hooray! Hi, hi, I'm good. So excited to have you here. What's, what's been going on? How was your day? Let's start with that. My day is just starting. I have semi-off day, semi-work day. It is chill. I got a parking space that I'm feeling really good about, and I'm, I'm grooving. Is that a dinosaur with sunglasses on your shirt? Almost. It's dinosaurs. Multiple dinosaurs. <laughs> you gotta okay, live that life. Correct. You can't bring one dinosaur <laughs> to the game. You gotta bring them all. Okay, all right. Well, I respect your movement. Yeah, that's what I really like about you, Rachel. You always keep an eye towards history and prehistory. <laughs> It's well, really good. you know, I'm a big fan, as you see. Mm-hmm. stories tattoo. The beautiful thing about the radio is that you can just tell them that you got anything. Like, I'm wearing, like, a colonial outfit right now with, like, the big wig and the whole it's thing. It's wonderful. Highlight. Yeah. Yellow. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, sure. I'm wearing a uh, favorite Flav Viking helmet right now. You know, I'm too fresh. I'm, I'm liking the, the clock. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How much? How much? Well, on the radio, it's really good because it helps us keep track of how much time we got, stuff like that. You know, you got to <laughs> for um, so you said you have a semi-day off, day off. I know, why don't you tell the people a little bit about what you spend your days doing? Um, during the fall, I teach third grade for Chicago Public Schools. Uh, during the summer, I work for my scholarship where I um, mentor rising sophomores that are education majors. So that's pretty cool because I saw them teach yesterday and I was like, yeah, those are my babies. High school sophomores? High, no, college, college sophomores. College okay. sophomores. Oh, yeah, that's, you're big. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm you old. like a professor. <laughs> a semi, a semi Professor Jackson now? Professor Jackson without the credentials or the pay. <laughs> you know, it's fine. All in the name. All, All in the name. But yeah, we just played Time Machine. So let's hop in the Time Machine a little bit. And let's like just go quick cliff notes of the last 24 years. Like, who are you? Are you from Chicago originally? Like your parents type stuff. What what school did you go through? Little Little like things that build up the race Jackson that we all know and love. June 7th, <laughs> 1991. <laughs> no, um, I was born in the south side of Chicago. Um, south side? You, boop, 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 you know, um, and went to a lot of different neighborhoods just on some really cool, like, my church neighborhood was High Park, right? My grandmother lived in Beverly. So, you know, Granny's house has its own neighborhood. And so True. that's always very cool. Um, my parents are both from the south side as well. Where did you stay? Where did I stay? Yeah. Or, um, and do you stay? But like you're talking about moving between those different neighborhoods. I Where stayed, was home? Home was a lot of places. Um, home that I really, really claim uh, is 119th and Western, and that was my grandmother's house. Uh, a lot of cool things happened there, and a lot of growth, and a a lot of um, events with my family that I am super excited to think about. Like no one. We ended up moving, or she ended up moving from there, but, like, the Thanksgivings there, it was, like, a tradition, like, Thanksgiving, Easter, Christmas, we're there, you know, and I think that's, like, a super important thing in my life to have that. I drove by it the other day, and it's completely different. Somebody took down, like, her figurines. What? And it was crazy. I almost, oh, like... Oh, we coming for them. Uh, yeah, I almost came for them, but, you know, <laughs> it's still memories. That, so, I would definitely say my grandmother's place on 119th. What high school did you go to? I went to Morgan Park from 7th grade to sophomore year. Then I went to this tiny little school inside of DeVry um, from junior year and senior year. And it's really cool because at 18, I had my associate's degree because I'm a nerd. So <laughs> I have, like, network systems administrations. A lot hey, of people don't know that. I be knowing what a router and modem is. Bang, like, bang. Anybody wants to get your computer fixed, holler at the kid. You were working the networks and systems at 18? You, like, had the, you had the paper and everything like that? I did. That's I crazy. did. You know what I mean? I don't tell everybody at the club that when I'm trying to, you know, get play, but right now, it seems like I always lead with my credentials. That always seems like <laughs> do, especially when they're, like, marginally relevant to what I do on a daily day basis. It's so. not, though. That's what's so funny. Yeah. I teach. It's not relevant at all. So, when I met you, um, and I've been proud to, like, call you friend for a few years now, you were about, like, 2021, 20, and you were already one of the most, like, refined voices in the artistic scene, oh, yeah. or you, you had a presence um, that was seemed well-established and something, you know, that I admired. So how did, how did that start, and when did you start to develop uh, your performance and creative side? What's really funny is that I, I was just telling the story, I've always been a church baby, and I'm finally proud to say that, right? It was something I struggle with, and you can hear it in my art. Um, so childhood, always performed, always did it, like, leading solos, um, sign language. I know, you know, doing, I was that girl in the black dress with the white gloves. And then finally in 08, my 
high school teacher was like, louder than a bomb. I'm like, what's that? Like, sounds cool. And so um, linking with people from Young Chicago Authors when I was 17 was a huge, like, skyrocket. Um, and uh, from there, it just branched out into a lot of people and a lot of, like, organizations, whether it's, like, Lyricist Loft or we linked with Victory Gardens Theater. So by 20, I, man... No, by 21, yeah. By 21, I had already written for Victory Gardens Theater and, like, full-length production with um, five other poets and, like, acted in it. And I was, like, really cool, you know? That was dope. That was the train one, right? That was the train, yeah. Yeah. And the whole train was, like... And it was, like, you know, my whole family came. We took up, like, three rows. Like, you know, more shows that my family can come to 2015 has been my goal. Mm. So that's where it all... I think that it would branch from YCA in 08 and then me just, like... I have like very long limbs. You all can't see what I'm doing right now, but I am stretching out because that's what I did. It's, from it's to not now. a big studio. She has her one hand on the door, one hand <laughs> on the other side of the wall. Well, my arm length is also abnormal, is what I was told as a child. <laughs> well, it's the my- win- really why we brought you up here was the wingspan. It's incredibly <laughs> impressive. So that's how we know. So you're talking about writing plays, writing poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, where, in what spaces, maybe before that moment in 08, where you kind of walked into that room? Were you being exposed to writing? Were you starting to play with those tools? My sixth grade teacher actually put aside part of her lesson so I can read my poetry. And that was um, really powerful, you know, because, you know, I'm a teacher now. But it was also like, thank you, you know, allowing a space for my voice. And that was, that was, was oh, five, two, three, oh, three was sixth grade, you know? What was the teacher's name? Miss O'Connell. Mm. Shout was, out Miss O'Connell. Shout out to Miss O'Connell. Damn. And I was so mean to her at the beginning of the <laughs> school year. Like, you know, I was in sixth grade. I smelled, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was it was mm. hard. But she, like, saw the angry little girl because I was always angry and just saw me writing and literally cut out, like, 15 minutes of her instruction time so I can read my poems to my peers. And that was always something I've super grown from. Yeah, so I was thinking about this on the way here because I was thinking about you being a teacher And I was going back to those report cards that I used to get all the time and how I always got the exact same comment on all of them. They're always like, Daniel's like a, you know, thoughtful kid who's engaged, but he won't stop talking. The dude just keeps interrupting. They didn't write the dude on the report The dude. This dude just keeps talking. Um, Were there, for both of y'all, were there comments that you always kept getting on your report cards like that? Yes. My kindergarten teacher told my mom I will be a problem. Like, <laughs> the first report card. It's my mom's favorite. And I had her for kindergarten and second grade. Um, she, I thought I knew it all because my mom is a teacher. And, you know, I was in pre-K by, like, three. And I was, like, knew my alphabet when I, like, came out the womb. And so no one could check me at five years old. And so she, like, pulled me aside. And we were going back and forth. And she was, like, giving me all these hard words to spell. And I'm acing it. I'm, like... You know, not anti-disestablishment, but like Chicago, C-H-I-G. Ooh, I messed it up here. Ooh, oops. Um, but basically, the last word was official. And like five-year-old me, like my neck roll was on point. I was like, I know what that says. That says office. And then she said, you know what? Like she was almost right. And I had to give it to her. Like she told my mom, she's like, Miss Jackson, like I'm going to let you know right now her attitude. She is loud, but she is smart. She actually went, sorry, Miss Jackson. Yeah. I'm for real. I never meant to make your daughter cry. It was a really unfortunate time in the classroom. <laughs> how, about you, how about you, Dane? Were there Uh, My comments was like, he is a great, like, shining star, but he just needs to spend more time, like, doing his work. (laughs) I was a kid that, like, could really give a good project, but you could tell I had just started it a day or two before or was not really, like, the procrastination thing was always my thing. So in class or something that you taught or something I'm listening to or if we read it over together, I was, like, on top of it. But when it came to like homework, it might be yeah. messy. It might be balled up. You're one it of might those kids. have erasers. I was, I wasn't. At I didn't the, say what? The bottom of the barrel. <laughs> but that was my thing. Like if I had a thing. But yeah. up until like fourth grade, I was pretty, pretty straight A and B. Like when if when I was B in Miss Jackson's class, <laughs> I would have been the star of her class. It was about like sixth, seventh grade when they really yeah. started to see that I didn't actually care. It was all an <laughs> act. So you said your mom's a teacher. What does she teach? She teaches high school. Um, she is the push-in special education teacher. So there's like one general education teacher, and then there are like five or six students in the classroom that have IEPs that need extra support. So my mom writes writes their IEPs, change, like accommodates those or modifications for those students. Mm. Word. So 
I think we're going to talk a little bit more about your background in education and your experience as a young teacher. Uh, but it was interesting to hear kind of how you said poetry was like a formative uh, time for you in school. So we're going to actually play a Race Jackson poem that is on the Internet. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I think it is appropriate. Uh, dragon. Fairy tales do not tell children dragons exist. Children already know. Dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children that the dragons can be killed. G.K. Chesterton. We build bunk beds out of couches. Stack cousins on brothers on nieces. Leather from the couches seats forces your cheek to be smooth. It is a lullaby. Massaging faces and ears drowning out the stampedes of search parties looking for your mother under the nearest crack rock. There is a vein on your ankle that puffs itself out for attention. Dignity chopped up with denial and snorted throughout our lineage. Royal blue hidden entryways that elevate our father's thrones even higher. Parading the insides of our elbows during family reunions. No need for long sleeves. Admire the crevices between our toes. Play games with our family. Hide and seek with track marks. Hot potato with relatives' couches. With leather seats that'll force your cheek to be smooth. We welcome cloaked addiction. It is the thread that sews us together. Without it, we'd be exposed. Separated. Strung out. Monster. I know where you hide. Syringes give you neck cramps. Instead, spread your wings over well-groomed adults and silent children littered with blisters for mopping their mother's face prints off the floor. Why do you need your metal spoon so much? This is family dinner time. Just need forks and knives and everyone's insides to remain clean. White powders and greasy thumbs smear the edges of candid moments. I put the photos over decorations in the walls shaped like fists. But when I come down, gaunt roots prohibit communication. Dig deep in soil and clutch sparse nutrients and fiction. Our stories engraved in our bark. And I'm sorry you believe in us. We'll give you fairy tales about killing dragons, elaborative narratives about bonding on family rehab trips. We be creative storytellers, replacing the abundance of heroin in our blood with fantasy female heroes swimming in the streams under our skin. Continue to welcome the leather seats of the communal couch. It will always play bunk bed for your brothers, your sisters, your nieces, it will always shove opiate-free family reunions between your ears. It will always force your cheek to remain careless, oblivious, but so smooth. Rach Jackson with Dragons. Yay! So, uh, just real quick, uh, tell us a little bit about that piece or the inspiration behind it or where you were when you created that. Um, this piece is really inspired by a lot. There there are a lot of like unwritten rules with whether it's alcohol abuse or drug abuse and a lot of like <laughs> a lot of roots in my life and that's something that um i was forced to write about um oh, challenged to write about not forced but um that needed to be write, written about and so this idea of um accepting it in the last part of the piece it's me like talking to some of my family members like you know what this is part of a life like you just gotta accept crashing on someone's couch or that sort of thing it's a dark truth that I had to write about and acknowledge um it, yeah like <laughs> it's it's it was a painful piece I wrote it some years ago and the first time I performed it was for College Slam and I there's a there's a video floating around I couldn't get through it um, and then, you know, I went over time, obviously, because I was wailing. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, just spaces of feeling comfortable and powerful and um, just just empowered to share that piece in that space. Um, and, like, a lot of childhood friends were there. Like, it was like, Toaster and Ashley, like, ran up to the stage. And then, like, my childhood friend or my college friends, like, Brittany and Darius came and, like, hugged me afterwards. And it was just something that I needed to get out there. I, like it, I like specifically remember like what I was wearing, who was leading the bout. Like that bout was a very powerful moment for me because I wasn't gonna read that poem. I was just gonna backtrack to something less vulnerable where I was like a personification poem. But I was encouraged to read that specific piece about me, family, 
drugs, alcohol, that sort of thing. So we're going to go back to the your experience as a teacher, but I want to touch on something you just said there. You know, so the first time that I met you was, I believe, you know, around Louder Than a Bomb, but mm -hmm. then, you know, kind of got to know you around open mics, and it seems yeah, like definitely. you were always, like, you're just a tone setter, right? Like, whether it's on stage as the host or as someone facilitating at open mics, or even, like, I remember after one of the first ones, we were sitting, like, kind of chopping it up afterwards, like, a bunch of the people who had worked it were there, and... Um, you just looked at me and said, Daniel, who are you? Like, <laughs> like, you're around, you seem fine, but like, what are you doing here? Who are you? And I loved that. And it like perfectly set the tone. So, I wanted to know you. <laughs> right, but like, that's like the perfect move. And that's the kind of thing that I can imagine you doing in a classroom, yeah. right? Or on stage. So is there a particular tone, whether it's like as a teacher or a host or a facilitator, producer, whatever it is that like you think can if you create it, you can make a safe space so that someone can stand up there and say something like that. Ooh. Um, yeah, def yes, definitely. I feel, um, ooh, and I'm, I want to get the quote because um, I was with Ari um, on Monday and we were talking about creating your own universe. Ah, I can't even, I can't think of the quote, but it was just this idea, right, where behind the stage behind the mic whatever whatever you're doing this is your space and then setting the tone for it i think i feel like my tone is um very <laughs> i'm laughing because all the words that are coming to my mind are like kind of insulting to myself <laughs> how do you say uh weird in a, in a polite way you know i kind of very eccentric eccentric esoteric you hold me down eccentric i think that um i have a lot of fun and i I didn't realize that until two years ago. Apparently, I do a lot with my face, like mm. <laughs> a lot of confusion. Or if I don't like something, my whole neck is like pulled back and then my face is a lemon. Like I just, you know, um, so I think that but it is genuine. Like everything I feel is just like you see what I feel and you feel what I feel. And I think that's very important for spaces. How does that factor into how you teach? Um, it completely falls under my pedagogy of. Um, making my students know I'm human. Mm -hmm. I think that if I live or if I teach robotic and they can't see me feel, it does not, there is no connection. And that's nothing that I want to be a part of. <laughs> um, there's this idea, right, that blows elementary school students' mind. My students are eight years old. Um, my first year teaching and my second year teaching, like, I would walk out, you know, in the hallway. I'm gonna walk in the bathroom. Where are you going? I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Like I do that too, guys. You know, so just hold on a sure. second. Yeah, that's what they put in their teacher assessments. They're like, Miss Jackson is fantastic, but she actually goes to the bathroom. What is like, this? What is going on? Here? You know, it blow. You know, it blows their mind. Like I have lunch, right? You gonna eat lunch? Like you gonna eat lunch? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, um, I'm really big on making sure that they see my humanity and making sure that I validate their humanity. Like they always talk about how big I am and like my response is, well, I am tall, right? Um, but my response is only because- Your wingspan. <laughs> my wingspan. My response is always like only because I'm older than you, like, right? They obviously could be taller than me or bigger than me or whatever, you know? So not being like, yeah, eight year old, I am bigger than you. <laughs> just, just responding like that, making sure that they can connect, we can connect on humanity. So what? You are a CPS teacher. Where is your school? Like, explain the name of the school and like mm -hmm. what the demographic or what neighborhood you're in, and kind of the people or the community that you were working in. Um, I teach at Courtney Language Arts. Um, it used to be Stockton before our mayor. Um, <laughs> you have to sing uh, words you don't like, right? Um, shut it down, and then it it, it merged with another school. So right now it's uh, Courtney on Montrose and Clark. So I teach in Uptown, which. Um, a lot of people call it like it's like a pocket of poverty, um, unfortunately, on the north side. And it's it's very my situation with my school is very unique, more unique. So because of some of our population comes from shelters. So um, my class, some of my students are homeless. So there was something even that right idea of intersectionality, like I can identify with my students because I'm black. No, like I can't identify with my students. Um, I can't assume I identify with my students because I'm black, I, because I've never been homeless, right? So there's this idea of like classism versus race in that situation alone. So having students that 
you, they have good behavior money. It's this brilliant program run by one of these teachers called uh, PBI school and they have good behavior money. And you know, when they're responsible, respectable or safe. And my students who don't have money, they take so much pride in those paws. And you know, it, it's, it's, it's just very powerful to be in that. What's that program? Talk a little bit. It's I so, just don't know what it is. So PBIS is it's uh, positive incentives, right? So if I see a student being responsible, respectable, or safe, and that can mean a lot, and we list it out. Like, for example, being responsible would be um, having a hall pass, and then you have this little... I almost said bite size. You don't eat the paper, guys. Um, like a, a, a small rectangle that you give to them and you circle, like, thank you for being responsible. Thank you for being respectful. Thank you for being safe. And you sign it. And then they have a paw store where they can buy, drum roll, please, mechanical <laughs> pencils. Hey, <laughs> it's a huge deal. You know what I mean? Like, and they earned it, right? Because, you know, they, they live in a world where money is everything. And they don't have a home, right? And it's just like... Here, here I am working with these brilliant teachers in this brilliant school, right, where we can have them earn it through their good behavior money. And, like, God forbid that someone takes their mechanical pencil. Like, that right there is is just, like, fire. And someone got it, Ms. Jackson. I'm like, ah, oh, get you another one. It's fine. That's beautiful because to, to be able to, like, um, impart, like, value into kids' life, and you know, in a way that, it's kind of related to capitalism or, or you know, treating them, yeah, go, no, know, definitely. respecting them to, to grow up and do the right thing and, you know, earn things for it, but also separating from kind of the normal of like market dynamics that like people yeah. who don't have what like jobs want can still be valued as people. So how do you kind of balance that trying to prepare them for the world, but also kind of trying to teach them how to cir circumnavigate a lot of like the problematic issues because you're at a very young formative age you know yeah i mean i think that they come in with their own ideas i i always say it's not my job to tell them what to think you know i kind of let them explore it on their own so they know i'm trying to explain it like because your question is very true it's like how do i how do i help them but i don't ever try to put a thought into their head it's kind of impressive how how they can already form their thoughts they're just really gray like a like hello a lot of balloons <laughs> and like then they just grab the right one and you're like dang like that was actually for example for example when 9-11 happened they didn't know they were born after it wow and it was like what is this you know and so i gave them a very blanket you know like this is what happened if you wanted furthermore like you know you can talk to your parents and they were sitting on my carpet and one student goes, why? Why did they do that? And the other student goes, because they're evil. And I was like, woo! <laughs> like, you know, this is, this right here that's, is... That's learning. Right? That's learning, you know? They're, they are so brilliant. And I think that this idea, I mean, I learned this from my mentor teacher. Like, you know, sometimes people talk to eight-year-olds and they try to give them one-syllable words. Or like, hey, little... No, my students, like, we need to work efficiently. Like, I talk to them like that. Make sure that they... Because they, you know, they grow from what you talk to them, what, how you talk to them. And they know. I was in a conversation yesterday with someone who is writing children's poems, mm -hmm. and I was talking about Maurice Sendak, who wrote Where the Wild Things Are and In the Night Kitchen. And if you haven't seen the interview, he did a long-form interview with Stephen Colbert. He died maybe a couple years ago. Brilliant man, incredible writer, and real advocate for taking children seriously. And he says, yeah. I don't write kids' books. I write books for children. Mm. And let's basically... If you look at how children actually interact with ideas, let's not assume that they can't handle it. Yeah. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And if there's stuff that they don't understand, just like there are things that you or I don't understand, then we can meet them at that point. But let's assume that they can get it and then work backwards from there. And that it's okay if it doesn't all end up neat and confined. Like yeah, if a story ends with a kid feeling like ambivalent or not understanding everything, but there's a feeling like that's good literature. That's good art. And I think, but but it should create some sort of like structure to understand differently. Yes, definitely. And I'm gonna have to research that. Yeah, that look, is look like that literally my philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> Do uh, you ever get called mommy on accident or mom? Yes, <laughs> all the time, mom, grandma, like, and it's so funny because they're embarrassed, and then they're like, <gasps> and I'm like, it's it's fine. I see you. I I see them more. Uh, another mentor teacher told me I see them more waking hours of the day, meaning like. You know, they do, you know, if they do go home to mom, it's like 
at four or mom gets off work at five or six and then so from five to what nine they see the parents you know right. but they see me from 7 30 to 2 30 right. so if you call me mom i'm not gonna be like oh no <laughs> but you know you know i do get the question like you got kids you got a man like, <laughs> no to both sweetie no to both sad and lonely now nah. <laughs> did, did, uh, I think I did it did it once on accident, and like that teacher actually became like my unofficial guy. Mom. Oh yeah! And it was actually third grade. Now I'm thinking about it, so that, so I'm really interested, like, because that was such a formative time for me, and I still remember mm -hmm. so vividly the relationship I had with my teachers at that age. So at such and you as a child, I probably didn't realize how young they were. But as someone who's still like somewhat developing as a young woman, how does it feel to be that like? almost number one or number two adult in, in someone's life? It's very challenging. I think that for me, maybe my first month or two teaching, I didn't realize how much um, impact I had for them. And and then I, you know, saw the light and, and then I had to really check everything I said. I work with humans, right? And so a, a different mentor teacher, I keep bringing up these mentor teachers, um, said you know we work in the we're in the business of humans and like so someone who works in a chair factory this is an analogy she used if they like mess up a leg they can just staple it on but if i cut down a child with my words they are cut mm -hmm. and that's something i never want to do so realizing how huge the impact is is something that i i do it in my poetry i do it when i'm talking to a lot of people but in my teaching i watch everything i say rach jackson here on ergo on whbk 88.5 Let's uh, hear a track from a strong young voice here in Chicago from my native city of New York, John Michael with Sun. It's a tribute to Nina Simone he just dropped. Definitely check it out here on One, Ergo. Two, three, go. Praise to the most high. Lord knows I've been going through some dark times. Hard times trying to put me to the dark side. Put me in a hole for my whole life, oh Lord. Mama told me I'd be alright. Even when I didn't see her my whole life. Granny told me not to worry, man. I don't know where you want it, but he always gonna be on time. I've been dealing with my mind like who am I and what is life? I just need a peace of mind and I know happiness ain't that hard to find. I don't slack a bit, I make sacrifice. I'm no pacifist, I've been down to fight. I'm the catalyst, I've been shining light. I scream on a Sunday, celebrate birthday. We survived a year, live different, see we live in here. Whole world screaming sun like my pops when my skies appear. A pure blend like the skies in here, yo. Anything you want, man, you can acquire. Tell a quiet, singing a fat, break out the silence. Word of mother, step, clap, shout, sing it higher. About to shine, you the writer, son, you the writer. Yeah. They broke with the shade low, singing hang low with a fang glow from an angle of an angel with a halo and an A-roll, aiming for the soul like Kim Jong. Mm, this your light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. I know happiness, I won't compromise. I've been doubting this ain't my finest time. I'm on rise and shine, I'm on rise and shine. Praise to the most high. Lord knows I've been going through some dark times. Hard times trying to put me to the dark side. Put me in a hole for my whole life, oh Lord. Mama told me I'd be alright. Even when I didn't see it, I had my own life. Granny told me not to wear man, I come in when you want it, but he always gonna be on time. On time. I'm sitting meditating, trying to contact. Resurrection, I ain't really trying to combat. Feeling out of pressure, I've been in and out of combat. Happiness and serenity, I'm staring at the sunset. Shine on. Feeling like I'm Helios. Writing epic, make it epic about the sun and the sun. Feeling epic, it's a credit to my film and the songs. And my ending, my beginning. When I'm done, I'll be gunning. I begin to think that you and I were both designed to shine the light that lies inside. Give it time at first to try and don't succeed. The part I like to get it right. This your light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine I know happiness, I won't compromise I've been down and this ain't my finest time I'm gonna rise and shine, I'm gonna rise and shine
We're back on Ergo, WHPK 88.5, or if you're listening on the podcast, thanks for checking that out. We're here with Rach Jackson. We're talking about, uh, you know, what you do in the classroom every day, I guess from September to June. (laughs) And I was was thinking, um, you know, you hear over and over again, like the concepts that like people talking about teachers doing this like kind of holy work of like, and like the sacrifice of being a teacher as like a way of thinking about it almost like uh you know nuns and priests like it's like this pious thing. never heard that who holds me down like that that's great <laughs> <laughs> that's great but i think it, it like sound it like elevates it but it also like maybe subtracts from the like yeah like it's work and it's you know like i don't know exactly where i'm going but like look at them like following their calling like first off did it feel like a calling and then like does that idea ring true as it's like this like kind of elevated thing or is it just like a good job for you um, I've always known I wanted to teach, so I guess I yeah, it definitely was a calling. There's something you know, I definitely did the um, you know, uh, playing with my cousins, forcing them to be my students, kind of thing. <laughs> um, they hated when I came over. Um, but um, yeah, I don't. Before the break, I was talking about this. I I don't I don't think of it as just a job. This is this is something that is powerful right then not to say like in other aspects of careers they are not doing the same like it's just working with people like making sure that obviously my students learn their content but making sure you rebuilding them to think on their own and feel on their own is something that i feel like really great teachers do there's no there's no pride in having 30 kids that think like me like i don't want that you know but there is i take pride in having 31 this year, right? Um, kids uh, that they think on their own and they learn on their own and they're proud of themselves. This year, my students wrote Valentine's Day cards to themselves. <laughs> like, because <laughs> they need so they needed to know. Love. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that, you know, I, we all, right? Self-love right. is super important. And, you know, if I can push it into my students I do you know I, I do kind of corrupt them in that kind of way like I force my students to love themselves <laughs> but yeah that's that's the work that I feel like regardless of what nun, nuns or whatever like whatever career you do if you are building people I feel that's super important and powerful mm, and with so many of your friends and collaborators and other artists around you working in you know we talked with Malcolm last week about Woo-hoo! like alternative spaces mm-hmm. um and for you working like actually within this crazy system within like the formal classroom as opposed to in one of these kind of more open art education subversive like right. where do you find the room first of all like what was really what's been surprising about how that system works and really frustrating and like where do you find room to bring in some of that stuff that's happening in these more open spaces i think the frustrating part for me right now about like being a CPS teacher is the outside forces. I love my building, my teachers, my students, my administration. They are great. It is these outside forces that like the politics of getting funding and it's so hard. Like the Tribune actually two days ago just released every CPS school, whether they are getting funding or not, fun- like whether they're increasing their funding or decreasing their funding, and the m- the money is in the millions. Uh, certain high schools that, um, the, the top high school right now for decreasing is Julian High School. It's losing $1,780,000. Wow. That is insane, right? Oh, and it's just, and it's also all public like you know i appreciate your honesty but like dang like you know like it's it's the tribune you can literally google any or in the tribune you can search in the search bar they release the article you can type in any school you want to see if their funding goes up to see if their funding goes down to see who they're cutting or they don't they don't show that part right but like you know you start looking at numbers the money that means people are losing yeah yeah that money's not coming out of like you know that's where the money's going from jobs and it's going from like the what gets yeah what gets deemed so that's where those alternative spaces come in. Mm-hmm. But, like as Malcolm said, like we're working so that those spaces don't have to exist, right? So that you can, so that a kid can come into a classroom and get those things. And it's normal. Like it's <laughs> right. not like this new thing. I feel. I yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, it's it's heartbreaking, especially like when you think about how 
the city budget works, you know, and like as we are learning more about politics as we're getting into our 20s and like to see that CPD accounts for 41% of the city budget, which is like literally not budgeting. I don't think you can spend 41% on anything and then that that doesn't even include the officers that are in school. So CPS has to also pay the police department to to protect, quote unquote, uh, these students. Um, And that's really sad. But I want to take kind of a step back from the the political. And and I like how as a teacher, you don't really you're not really talking about the curriculum, but more like the human aspects. So I would like to hear a little bit more about that. Like, I have a sense (laughs) that you have some fun in your class and that you have a lot of kids say the darndest things type moments. Um, And, and, you know, if you give us one or two of those nuggets, I'm sure it's on a daily. We're just mining for stories. Yeah, no. um, So one, um, you know, and it's it's so funny because so I'm going into my third year, but my first year teaching one of my students, she like has something for me, like like 730, 745 in the morning. She's like, I got something for you. And she shows me a picture and it's her. And I'm like, oh man like that's what's up like she's like this is me when i was only seven and i was like (laughs) how old are you now she's like i'm eight (laughs) like you've grown so much you know she was so like this is like look how i'm changed and it's that was really funny they also um my funny stories also tie into me right like so my favorite color is teal like my classroom is teal and so like they like freak out because you know I I practice and I memorize their favorite colors and like their favorite things and so like to know my favorite color huge deal (laughs) and so like um, someone visited our classroom and I can't remember it was someone important like someone important and I they had on teal and like they just ah your favorite color do you see it she's wearing it like I'm like come on man like come on come on come on guys just keep it cool be cool it's just so it's just so many instances where you know uh it's so exciting to just let them talk like when we have like rare moments in my like because I definitely intense on my content and curriculum but these rare moments where they just like shout out hilarious my last unit was um figurative language and it's very exciting because uh, you know I write, you know, so poetry is like really in de- ingrained into me. So similes, metaphors, all that is we taught. Um, I taught them similes, metaphors, hyperboles, and onomatopoeias, which is like our main four. And throughout the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Any person that used a simile, metaphor, hyperbole, onomatopoeia, they hollered. Like one <laughs> time, beautiful. yeah, I one child went to the bathroom and like came back and I was like, it shouldn't have taken you forever like to do that. Hyperbole, hyperbole. It was like my whole class yelled it. So, you know, I'm sure they're terrorizing whoever right now in the summer programs. Like, you just used a simile. I know what it is. Fourth grade teacher got Fourth grade. cut out for. Just you know, amazing. watch your figurative language around my students because they, they know and they will call you out. On it. And the problem is the fourth grade teacher goes like, yeah, this is like the best day ever. Like, ever. <laughs> like, like, simile, like, connected. And, you know, I am big on hand movements because I'm a kinesthetic learner. I could not sit down. So they make their S or they make their M, right? And they're like, oh, 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 for onomatopoeia. Or, you know, <laughs> literal language was that it was like serious, but figurative language was that it was like fluffy. And so they were just doing this. For and, those of y'all at home, she's oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing jazz hands for figurative language. Yeah. We've actually been doing jazz hands the entire time. <laughs> It sets a tone, you know, sets that's a that tone. tone setting. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, and it all goes back like to to teaching, but it, it's also how I check for understanding, you know, and and so I can have fun with checking for their understanding instead of like constantly being like, do you do you know what a simile is? You <laughs> Bueller, you do you know? But like if I'm reading my read aloud, my daily read aloud and a child makes an S with their hand, I'm like, boom, you got it. <laughs> like It's it's that's just a quick up. assessment that I can do and then move on and have fun. That's what's up. Uh, f- so from that, that beautiful experience, you talk a little bit about the frustration of the political side. Have you mm-hmm. uh, been at all engaged and used your experience as not only a teacher, but an artist slash kind of organizer to, you know, I'm deal with po- I, mean. <laughs> <laughs> I know people shy away oh, from the, the phrase, but um, to to deal with kind of the, the political shapings, because that's been big, especially in Chicago for the last three years, the, the intersection of politics and education. Yeah. Um- are you asking if I do it in my classroom or out, like, outside, outside? Outside. Yeah, kind of you know, like there is a super uh, beautiful picture of me and my mom marching in the CTU rally. Um, <laughs> you know, get those Instagram likes. Those Instagram there. likes. No, um, she, <laughs> the Chicago Teachers Union. You know, right now we are gray, right? Like we might be going on strike, and so like being out there with my people in red, you know, is very powerful for me. So like striking with CTU or you know. 
going to things BYP has organized and just being there and like trying to me my goal is like just be a body and if you want me to speak I speak but um that's shaped me constantly because that is who I was always told mm, grown to be I was gonna say told and I was like no um you know I was always grown to be vocal uh and you know going back to Miss Derbis shout out to you love you uh in kindergarten telling me i had a big mouth you know i let people know how i feel but also structuring that around and finding these spaces that structure my voice or you know and then you know in this past couple of years being in the structure of voices has been kind of interesting too yeah it seems like you know and one of the things that keeps coming up in those spaces of organizing you know and in fighting the fight is that it seems like there are all these moments of miscommunication right where like people are just kind of saying one thing and then responding but missing each other and it's kind of like gears of a bike mm. that like aren't quite clicking but we just keep pedaling harder and harder mm. and harder and it mm -hmm. grinds and we move but it's not really moving smooth and thinking about some that analogy was great y'all did y'all hear that that was deep but looking at you know some of those really cool ways you're talking about in a classroom kids learning how to communicate mm -hmm. you know between the hand or just the the different way that children get their idea across. Do you think, like, how do we bring that into how we try to articulate ideas? Like, when you're standing at the front or in the middle of a, of a protest or when you're, you know, at the front of a stage doing poetry, like, do you feel like for you, those other forms of communication that you're seeing in these kids come into how you spread your ideas? Most definitely. I think that... I think that every you answered your own question, no. but I did. I, yeah, I super, I, I super agree with you. Um, I do have to say, like one thing that my students do add on to is they will um, let you know if they don't understand something, and that's something that I have taken. Like if I'm in a conversation and someone says something and it's like a huge word or a phrase that I don't understand, I'm be like, I don't understand what you mean. And like you know, children, you know, like I don't know what you mean. Like what are you saying? And so if we just ask what does the person mean instead of assuming so much could be like dissolved so many problems so i think that like adding on to you saying like poetry and their spaces and their voices but also like checking for understanding is really important because sometimes people just don't get it and then this bike gear stole your stole your analogy <laughs> what, what, what? It's, it's open source <laughs> <laughs> you know then it's then it does jam but if you completely like check for understanding before you respond and that's something i still need to work on won't even like ride the high horse you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. checking for understanding before responding will get people so far far uh so take a few minutes left uh we're gonna take a step away from miss jackson and get bye more bye. To, to the rach jackson uh i want to kind of talk to you or ask you um you've always been kind of one of the the mo most carefree people that I've known, especially you and uh, Brittany Black Rose, your, your BFF, the, the way y'all kind of occupy space in a very mm. free um, way before, like, the whole carefree black girl was even a part of our vocabulary. I think y'all really embody it me, that. It makes me so happy that it is part of the vocabulary <laughs> now. I was like, this is me every day, B. You know, and so I, is that, that takes a lot of, like, courage and, and, and understanding of self, and I'm wondering if that's something that developed over time or, as you were saying, like, in kindergarten, as you were neck rolling, you always had that. Because, like, a little story for the people listening, you know, <laughs> I went to the club, like, last week, and I see my <laughs> homie Rachel there, and she got on basketball shorts. I and, definitely like, did. <laughs> I was, and, like, you know, you had to, like, felt like you needed to explain it because, like, your friends are kind of shading you, but I was, like admiring you is like you feel so comfortable you look so free i was like i wish i had on basketball shorts i felt overdressed <laughs> still and, got played you know and what I mean? almost embarrassed so like <laughs> talk a little bit about about that because i think that is like kind of one of your defining qualities um i can say i always liked my voice i did not always like my outer appearance and that's something like being black that was hard for me i would up until like late teens right like self-harm verbally i would say like oh they were like we can go to the beach oh no i don't want to be out in the sun i don't want to get too dark and like the spaces i were in before that would let me say that mm -hmm. and it wasn't until someone checked me like yo you're black like it's you're gonna be brown like it's okay like love your skin you know like those that part of my life developed of me liking my outer i always knew my voice was there and i always had the neck roll down packed but you know feeling beautiful in my own space feeling powerful in my skin has not always been there so what encouraged that like how did that process happen a lot of people checking me 
um, in my vocabulary, I used to downplay myself. And, you know, and my theory was, like, if I insult myself before someone else does, yeah. you know, boom, like, we got it out there. Ha, 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 LOL, I'm ugly. Ah, ha, ha, You know, like, that's not funny. And, like, um, m one of my good friends, Dominique James, was, like, someone that was like, yo, that's actually not funny. And I had never had someone tell me that before. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, I mean, I'm, like, a late teenager. Like, I'm out here deep cutting myself with like words that in the way I talked about myself and so it wasn't until good friends are like hey that's not cool you're actually a really great person and you need to stop talking about yourself because the more you defense talk bad about yourself the more you believe it you know that caused me to develop and you know I'm still learning to love myself but like I'm definitely not 18 year old bitter you know Rachel I I'm proud of my growth so it is not always been there I did develop it I do have one theory for why you were wearing basketball shorts in addition to this. <laughs> I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you were preparing in case there was like a Chappelle show Prince situation where they went back and started playing basketball. Ball is life. Ball is life. You know what I'm saying? You actually wore the blouse on top of the shorts just in Blouses. case. Blouses. Yeah, yeah. You never know when you got to play for your prize. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Blouses Thank life. you. Yeah. Thank exactly. I'm just putting, you know, we're, it's a miscommunication maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> let's, uh, let's hear one more song and then I think we're going to yeah, yeah, actually yeah. break to an original piece from the wonderful Rich Jackson. We're going to let her catch her breath. But before that, uh, this is a new segment I'm introducing oh, and I'm calling it Let Me school you youngin <laughs> so we're gonna take it back a little bit uh i think we're gonna make it a trivia game in okay. the future but i'm gonna just tell you what it is now for the sake of time we got the delphonics with hey love And uh, she's about to spit her original piece. So, Rach, why don't you tell us what this is called and you could just get to it. Um, this is uh, a child's response to what is the question, what is sadness? Uh, 2012 to, through 2014, it was a lot of death in my life, which is really crushing. And it was a lot of sadness. And then Brother Mike died. And I wrote this poem right after because I couldn't understand what what happened. So... 
Brother Mike was a really great mentor. This is a child's response to what is sadness. I heard if you don't lock your windows at night, sadness can creep in and lay next to you. I heard it can kind of be like wet play-doh and slime its way past your armor, no matter how much of a soldier you thought you were. I heard that sadness is a quiet wolf, that you can think you built up everything strong and sturdy, like using sticks and straws, and then with the whoosh, sadness can huff and puff and blow all that hard work down, leaving you to be eaten by your feelings. I heard that if you keep smiling in pictures, no one can see the sadness munching on your heart. I heard that sadness doesn't even wear dark clothes. It disguises itself, whether it be a small paper cut on your finger or a slice on your wrist whether it be a trip on a curb or a jump off a building that sadness everyone the shapeshifter i heard that even when everything is going well in your life on the outside there's still that scary stalker following you your feet become sadness's feet and you're forced to walk places together like friends but friends don't make you feel sad i heard that if you feel sadness swimming all around you all you have to do is cry because the water escaping means that you're letting the sadness out and as soon as you cry you're supposed to feel better i know none of that is true and how could you lie to me why would so many people spread rumors about sadness and no one teach what it is i can only build off rumors no one has told me what to do with this heavy backpack we all carry so we walk with our feet scraping the ground like knife off bad parts of toasts and copy the adults whose steps are so heavy they're leaving footprints in the concrete why slap a band-aid on my burn during sadness and tell me good people live and bad people die when i know we've all sat through fu funerals of good people and were surprised you don't even know what sadness is either but i heard once you get a certain age you become a better pretender your imagination creates this one definition and picture of sadness, and then it's your job to punch it into the people younger than you. So we continue this water cycle of no one actually knows what sadness is, but it's your job to punch it into the people younger than you, and it's no one actually knows what sadness is, but it's our job to punch it into the people younger than you, put a flashlight on your face, and create horror stories about sadness, and I'll lock my windows at night, and sleep in my armor, and suffocate under covers until sadness knows to leave me alone one day. It needs to know to leave me alone one day sadness will leave me alone one day right rach jackson yeah. here on here go we got some applause in the studio oh yeah <laughs> beautiful um, we got a few minutes left so why don't you talk a little bit about that legacy uh, of, of Brother Mike and kind of some of the work that that has inspired. Um, last week we had Malcolm here, so he was talking about the staff and some of the things y'all yeah, did. Yeah, definitely. And definitely shouted you out on how your your teaching skills and how your <laughs> your spirit with children definitely uh, shine through as best. you're doing some of y'all work. Malcolm London is the best, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so Brother Mike uh, was – the era was – YCA on Tuesday, Lyricist Loft on Wednesday, and that was run by Brother Mike, um, a great mentor that was like just very powerful. So his passing shook all of us. And then um, Chance, Malcolm, they band together and made open mic, and then I was brought on to help. And so the theory that the mission is to really create that space that was created for us. You know, I wouldn't have met Malcolm and Chance without Lyricist Loft, you know what I mean? And so, like, you know, creating these spaces where they can speak or, and have their voice be heard um, is very powerful. So we do the open mic for high school students and right now field trips for youth. We went to the Few Museum on Tuesday and that was so much fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and so there there will be other things in the future that I'm gonna be gray about because you know I wanna don't wanna announce it. But you know, it's just a really powerful movement that really makes me know that like obviously Brother Mike is like really proud of of what we've done and like it, it's just something that I feel is necessary and I'm, I'm very excited to be a proud of and don't want to cry on the air. <laughs> real, so yeah. Real quick, we're about to get out of here, but did you see any dinosaurs at the museum? Sue. Sue actually is covered in thick lead paint and Damn. it's because it's radioactive. Didn't know that. Just learned that Monday by Ari. Boom. Wow. Look at that. We, we stay learning. This is a learning space, <laughs> an alternative learning space. Rach, thank you so much for being here. How can people get at you? Um, R-A-Y-C-H Jackson gets you everything. That's my Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook page. I make it very 
blanket. One quick plug, real quick. Yeah, um, next month, I am going to uh, make the team for National Poetry Slam. Woo! Yeah. And we are doing funding. So you can find links on my page if you want to hook me up. Hook, hook the kid up with $5, you know, $7, $11. Go crazy. If you want to, you know what I'm saying? Three digit. Ooh, golly gee. But yeah, you know, so we're going to Oakland to represent Chicago for the the country uh, for poetry next month. And if, and if you're feeling generous, uh, in the meantime, if you got a little extra cash, if the month was good to you, at ergoradio.com, we have a cool new thing uh, with a website called Patreon, where if you like what we do, you can uh, kind of become a patron of the show and give a monthly uh, donation to help support what we do. So this is the uh, the begging portion of the show. Hey, man, you know, um, live that life. You know what I'm saying? But at least we put it at the end after a great conversation. <laughs> I'm going to do a selfless plug. Plug uh, got nothing to plug, do plug, with plug, me. Plug, plug. There's some uh, events going on tonight in the city. I know Def C is going to be at Emporium. Uh, yes, Soul so Five going to be lot, there. A lot of squads going to be in there. And I know also, I think it's somewhere else, but I don't have internet right now i believe john doe and your highness is performing tonight at the township so good night in the town for chicago but this is us we're out of here ergo radio much love appreciate you daniel see you next week <laughs> thank you so much for being here thanks for tuning in talk to you in seven days Yay!